Well, hello, my friends. It's been a little while since I've last made an episode. Um, I've been insanely busy in both my personal life and at work, and there isn't any sign of things slowing down anytime soon. And if anything, it looks like things are only going to get busier. But that's okay. I'm here now. I'm going to make an episode, and then hopefully I'll be back to make another one again soon. But please don't hold your breath. I wanted to pick up where I left off the last time and continue the conversation about measurement, so let's get started. Welcome to the Jess Talks ABA podcast with me, I'm Jess, a BCBA who is still trying to navigate the big world of applied behavior analysis. Join me as I try to break down common topics of applied behavior analysis and attempt to make things make just a little more sense. So in the last episode, we talked all about frequency, rate, duration, latency, and inter-response time. And now I want to review measuring the percent of occurrence, trials to criterion, inter-observer agreement, and I would like to define accuracy and reliability. So let's take a look at how we measure percent of occurrence first. So what does this mean? Essentially, this means that the number of correct or target responses is divided over the total number of opportunities for the response to occur. So for example, if we were to measure how many independent requests a person makes, we would score every single time that person makes a request and whether it was independent or whether it was prompted. Let's say we collect our data and the results show that this person requested 80 times total and 60 of those 80 times the responses were independent. Here we are looking at a ratio of 60 independent requests out of 80 total requests. And to to calculate the percentage of occurrence, we will take 60 divided by 80 and that gives us an answer of 0.75. But that's not a percent, so we need to make it a percentage. So how do we do that? We multiply by 100. So 0.7 times 5 times 100 is 75%. So to think of this another way, think about taking an exam. So maybe there's a, you know, one in particular that you might be studying for right now. <clears throat> Let's say there are 150 questions on this exam. The behavior we are looking at is correctly answering questions. This is our target behavior. So out of 150 questions, so we have 150 opportunities to answer, we answer 145 questions correctly out of our 150 responses. So we would take 145, divide that by 150, and then that will give us 0.96. To transfer that into a percentage, we take 0.96, times it by 100, and that gives us 95%. So there you have it. That is our percentage of occurrence. I totally just realized that I said 95% instead of um, 96%, but I am not going back to fix it. So I'm going to move on to trials to criterion. And this one is sometimes a little bit tricky, but it's not too bad once you know what you are looking for. So trials to criterion measures how many occurrences it takes to achieve a predetermined criteria or a mastery criteria. So let's look at an example. Let's say that I want to drink eight cups of water a day for three consecutive days. I start on a Monday and my week looks like this. 
On Monday, I drink two cups of water. Tuesday, eight cups. Wednesday, six cups. Thursday, eight cups. Friday, eight cups. And Saturday, eight cups. Now, because I didn't drink eight cups of water for three consecutive days right away, my trials to criterion was definitely not three. Instead, it took me six days to achieve mastery criteria, or in other words, my trials to criterion is six. In this example, each day is a trial, and I finally achieved mastery criteria, or the set performance that I wanted for myself, on Saturday which was that I had eight cups of water for three consecutive days, so Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Now, it wouldn't have been five days because although I did drink eight cups of water on Tuesday, on Wednesday I had six cups. So therefore, when I drank eight cups on Thursday, it was not three consecutive days. I had a break in between. So that's why it was six days. So, moving along. What the heck is inter-observer agreement? So inter-observer agreement is the degree that two or more observers agree on or report the same behaviors over the same specified observation period. And there are so many different forms of IOA or inter-observer agreement that you can calculate, but for this episode, I am going to focus on the total count IOA since it's the easiest to explain. However, it might also be the least exact method since you can't be sure that the observers are recording the exact same instances of behaviors. So anyway, let's say we have two observers, observer A and observer B. These two observers will be watching our client, Jimmy, over a one-hour observation window. The observers have been presented with an operational definition of biting, and they are to record the total number of times that Jimmy engages in biting behavior throughout the hour-long observation period. And at the end of the observation window, we get the data that looks like this. So observer A reports 20 occurrences of biting. Observer B reports 22 occurrences of biting. So how do we calculate IOA? To determine our IOA, or inter-observer agreement, we take the smaller number, so 20 from observer A, and divide by the larger number, which was 22 by observer B, and that gives us 0 0.90. And now we need to transfer this into a percent, so we will take 0 0.90 and then multiply that by 100, so that gives us 90%. So here, our observers are reporting a very high percentage of IOA, which is great. Um, if their percentage of IOA was lower, this could mean a variety of different things, like maybe the operational definition was not specific enough, uh, maybe one of the observers is new and they might need more training, um, maybe there's observer drift that's happening from the operational definition, um, especially if the observation window is long. So ideally, we would like to see a high percentage of inter-observer agreement. Now finally, um, Let's take a look at the difference between what it means when we say our data is reliable versus accurate. So the reliability of data means that we always get the same result. No matter how many times we measure, we're always getting the same thing. So for example, if we are weighing flour on a kitchen scale in grams, and every time we put the flour on the scale, we get the same weight. So we get 30 grams. Then this means that the scale is reliable. We're using the same bowl of flour, placing it on the scale, and every single time we do it, we get 30 grams. However, 
accuracy means that the data that we are measuring is actually correct or the result is matching the true value of what we are measuring. So if we look again at the example of the flower, let's say that I've used four different very highly sensitive scales and each scale has given me the same result with the same bowl of flour that I have 33 grams of flour. And now I have a new scale and I want to measure it again to determine if this scale is accurate. So I place the flour on the scale and it reads 30 grams. And it measures 30 grams every single time I take the bowl off and place it back on. And let's say I do this five times. So looking at this, is the scale reliable? Yes, it's repeatable. It continually produces the same result. However, is it accurate? No. And this is because it does not reflect the actual true value. And that is that there are actually 33 grams of flour, not 30. And because I've compared four different scales and measured the same bowl of flour over four different scales and yielded the same result, I can be fairly confident that that is the true value of the bowl of flour, that it is 33 grams. So now that I put it on the new scale and I'm only getting 30 grams, no matter how many times it gives me 30 grams, great, reliable scale, but it is not accurate. So I'm going to leave it here for today and I hope to be back soon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Jess Talks ABA podcast. You can find me on Instagram at jess.talks.aba and I post different photos and infographics to supplement each of these podcast episodes. And in the past, I've also said that I would be updating this podcast every Monday or Tuesday, but unfortunately with how busy I have been lately, it might be hard to stick to that schedule. So I'm going to try my best but it looks like from here on out, I'll just be making episodes whenever I can. So thank you so much for sticking with me if you have. I appreciate you and I will see you in the next episode.